Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. That's really the concept that we approach all product design with. Could this sit out in your home when it's not in use? Would you think, oh, that's beautiful, beside the fact that it has utility? This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back to the Cannamom Show. I am Joyce Gerber, and we are so grateful you are joining us today as we continue in our mission of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers, one canna story at a time. So a uh, happy summer, Dave. Happy summer to you. It's, yeah. it's So far, it's been kind of a dreary summer, but uh, we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any plans? You going away? Do anything crazy? Just uh weekend stuff. I got a couple canoe trips planned, which is mm-hmm. I always put canoe in quotation fingers because it's not really about the actual paddling. It's about the food and the drink and throwing oh, a football around. Yeah. And the edibles and the cannabis. And the All edibles. Right, um... There'll be edibles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I know it's hard to believe, but we are almost finished up with season four. We only have a mm. few more episodes left. And then of course, if my listeners know, I take the summer off, but we are coming back. All right. I didn't even, I didn't, <laughs> this is the official announcement. Did, did, official I, no. <laughs> did I miss the press conference? This is very exciting. Very exciting. It was, it, it's been a little interesting season four. We've had some amazing guests. We've had a little bit difficulty with our partnerships, but we are feeling awesome about season 
five. We're even asking you to nominate us for the MJ Awards at MJ BizCon because that's how confident we feel. And yeah, yeah. We, we, there's still some room on the mantle for another trophy for the Cannon Mom Show. There's a couple. There there's a couple up there, but we need another one. And I want to get dressed up, so um, I'm a little <laughs> bit grayer than I was in 2019 when I started, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> noticed, Joyce. Nobody knows. You're a little, you're a little bit gray, but it doesn't bother you nearly as much as you want to because of uh, the cannabis. Exactly. You know? My perspective. It's all about perspective. And um, speaking of hair, see how I did that? Mm. Do you know actor Treat Williams? Are you familiar yes. with him? Yes. R.I.P. Right? Yeah. yeah. Sad. Mm-hmm. So musical theater, hair, all sorts of other things. And he's a New Englander. He was in New England. He was in Vermont. That's kind of sad. I didn't okay. even know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I liked yeah. him in everything he was in. He was... I think he popped up in Yellowstone on that show. So he was kind of still doing it until the end. 40 years. Anyways, I love musical theater. He was in the original Hair Musical. If you haven't seen it, check it out this weekend because poor Treat Williams. He did a great job in his was, life. He's entertained us. And Was yeah, he on the, in the Broadway version and the movie? I know he's in the movie. I don't know, but he's got that famous scene where like supposedly he's going out to Vietnam and he's looking out the windows like he's in jail and they're flying yeah. him off. And Let yeah. the sunshine. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I am a nerdy Musical theater girl. Okay, whatever. It's why you join us. All right. Today, we do have a special segment guest, Dan Whitmers, who has over 15 years in marketing and advertising, but he's here today to talk about his newest venture in the can of beverage segment, which the ladies love. And he is actually focused on women who like their cocktails, but not the drawbacks of alcohol. So stay tuned is my podcast. And then I do have a culture corner, Dave. So I think we do need music. All right. The culture corner. All right. So this week we have podcasts, which I don't always recommend. So except for the hidden brain, because that's literally how I know everything about us, that Mm. we know nothing about our brain. So two podcasts this week, kind of political, I suppose. People say I'm political. I don't see whatever. I believe stuff. Mm. Okay. uh, They're both by Rachel Maddow. The first is Dirt Bags. It is really the story of Spiro Agnew. He was Nixon's VP. And the second is Rachel Maddow presents Deja News, which is a six-episode podcast looking at historical incidents that can teach us lessons about current events, which is literally inspired by dirtbags because the federal indictment, all the things going on now, this is really the only time we've had to deal with it. So that's a little history to see maybe how we're going to deal with it in the future. Nice. I have to correct myself. Treat Williams is not in Yellowstone. <laughs> he was no, in he didn't a, ever, ever something. Ever. He, was, he was in a show called We Own This City. Have you seen that? It's very good. Nope. But there's another one ever. Anyway, the only thing I really know from is hair because I have a limited understanding of social culture. I have, <laughs> I'm so uncool. It's really sad. Okay. So, yeah. So, that was my little, my culture corner to podcast. If you're sitting on the beach and want to learn more about our government, I suppose, or how history, I guess history. It's a Jewish thing too. Never forget. And history repeats itself. And we can see our way out of this if we understand the past. Zahor. Yeah. <laughs> Zahor. Okay. Zahor, remember. And then. Just one more. Th- okay, one more thing before today's guest. I just want to remind my Boston listeners, Boston people, that we are having a Can on Mom event on June 29th. It's all the information in my show notes I've been posting. It starts at 6. If you want to get tickets, you want to join us, you want to meet me, I'll be there. So Thursday, June 29th, Can on Mom event in Boston. Very cool. From 1972 to 1980, Treat Williams was in Greece on Broadway playing Danny oh. Zuko. Oh, now, that's funny. Now you love him even more. I th- my, my brother played Danny DeVito, I think, in his own production in high school. <laughs> D- Danny Zuko. You said Danny DeVito. I don't, oh, think, he, I don't think he played Danny DeVito. <laughs> oh. 
All right. Uh, I'm just going to move on. All right. Thanks, Dave, for just indulging me in other random. And I didn't bring up Clarence Thomas once. Uh (laughs) (laughs) There's always next week. (laughs) Always next week. Okay. So let's go on to today's guest. All right. Today's guest. She is the co-founder of Sackville & Company, a contemporary lifestyle brand designed by women who like to smoke weed. Yay. With extensive experience in product design and development outside cannabis, she is now focusing her intentions and gifts on cannabis. Along with her partner, she has experienced all the ups and downs of financing a new Canada venture and is now a wise woman leader who is sharing what she's learned. Here today to share her business wisdom, the importance of marketing stylish Canada accessories, and what she's looking forward to as the Canada world continues to evolve and change. Please welcome to the Canada Mom Show, Hala Deneen, co-founder of Sackville & Company. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you for sitting through my little, I like having an audience. It's fun. So before we begin, just, just jump into your own story. I want to just tell me a little bit about your co-founder and the choice of your name. Why, why did you choose that name? Yeah, we started Sackville and Co. in 2018. So we were really kind of like ideate, ideating around uh, the concept in 2017. Oh, and actually just tell my listeners where you are also. Just... Oh, we're based in Brooklyn in New York. Okay. Yeah, we were kind of ideating around the idea in 2017. It was like right when Canada was legalizing. And we saw just this massive blank space in the industry for goods that fit into our lifestyle. We both loved weed, cannabis. We were both smokers. (laughs) So Uh we wanted to have goods that we wouldn't have to hide away or like stash under our couch or something. I love that have our friends over and roll a joint and not feel like it was this like dirty little secret, but instead have something out on the coffee table. It looks beautiful. It's part of your lifestyle in the same way that you'd have beautiful decanter out for your wine or something like that. Exactly. We felt like no one was doing that in the cannabis industry and no one was considering our demographics. So we put our brains together and Lana, my co-founder, comes from uh, marketing and branding. She was previously at Vice and at Attention Media. And then my background is in product development and design. Okay. So we felt like we had all of the things, all of the ingredients that we needed to really do it ourselves. And so we started Sackville, Sackville & Co. in 2018, officially. And for us, the name was really because we felt at that time, especially for women, the iconography and the language around cannabis had become so stigmatized that it was hard to get over. And so we didn't want to do something that was like grass or green or or nodded to these words that already had a connotation to them that made people feel a little bit uncomfortable. We wanted them to see a name and see the branding and have zero connotation so that they would walk in the door or the website and feel welcomed by it and excited by it and then be able to explore the different the different products we had the information that we were providing and all of that without bringing preconceived notions to the brand just through the name so basically a name that made you just want to go shopping okay i love that (laughs) (laughs) all right so i am your audience for real. I just love all the things that are on your site. They're so lovely. And I have a can of porch now. I, I talk about can of bars, but, and I had a big transformation and I don't want to be marketed to like a dirty 21 year old boy. That is not totally. my thing. Yeah. So, all right. I love that. All right. So how did you and Vanna meet and how were you working together? Or was it, did you have a love of cannabis that just 
I don't know how this, how'd you join together? Yeah, it's funny. We both just have like different backgrounds. We're like totally different backgrounds in cannabis. So like we obviously both both came to it because we loved the plant and we had our own experiences with it. I obviously had like one relationship with cannabis when I was younger, which was like, I want to get high with my friends. <laughs> and then as I became a bit older, my relationship with it definitely changed. I had some health issues around pelvic pain, which is very mm-hmm. common with women. Right. Um, and at the time I was prescribed only opioids to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I was really not interested in engaging with. And so I kind of had a new relationship with cannabis blossom out of that because for me, cannabis was such a massive tool in my arsenal for, you know, pain relief and getting through that period of time because THC has antispasmodic properties to it. It was actually way better for me than any of the drugs that I was prescribed by my doctor. And it again, harnessed this drive for me that we really needed to change the stigma around cannabis because it was really hindering conversations about how people can use it to, for recreational reasons or to heal certain things or whatever they needed. But the stigma was stopping people from being able to even have the conversations that got them to that place. And I've always felt that you, you break down conversation and, and walls through design because design is a way that, allows people to come in and ask questions and changes their experience of something. And so that was kind of the, the path that we really wanted to take with it. And then we just met three people that we knew. (laughs) So you're a little bit young. Okay. So I do want to get about the business. You have a very powerful business story, just like a lot of the incantations of like your business, but just your personal. So how old are you? You're younger than me. So you're. (laughs) I'm 36. Okay. So you're 36. So you, again, I, I, I keep hearing the shame story, which I keep hoping is dissipating more it's because I yeah. talked to moms a lot of it is yeah I talked to moms last week who were using edibles and felt shame in taking an edible so this yeah. is really like a potent weird story so when you were trying to heal yourself or using this and I hear this all the time people who are using it for their own reasons or heal somebody else did you understand what you were doing did you just accept the fact that you felt better did you have anybody tell you there was an endocannabinoid system like how did you figure that part out about this So I just like nerded out essentially at the time because I was prescribed things that made me really uncomfortable. So I was like, I really don't want to take these opioids. I need to find another option. Mm -hmm. And for me, that just meant really diving into my own research. And that led me to cannabis. So it wasn't something where I automatically knew to even ask if cannabis was an option. It was looking into how could I deal with, um, really intense muscle spasms, what was the best way to gain relief, things like that. And then that naturally through my own research led me to kind of deep dive into cannabis, the endocannabinoid system and all of those things. I had a funny story. I forget. I think it was Miss Kindness said that she literally Googled it. She said, yes, best remedy for whatever. And it said cannabis or marijuana. I forget what she said, but I'm like, you Googled it. She's like, yeah, Yeah. back in the, it wasn't even like a Google, like it's a Alexa. So this idea that the information is out there, but maybe your medical professionals can't tell you is really, I think, where people get hung up on this. Yeah, even my doctor, I'm Canadian. So at the time I had come back to Canada and my doctor, when I came and talked to him about it and I was like, hey, I've decided not to go with the drugs that you prescribe and this is what I'm doing instead. I'm using cannabis and physio basically as my way of dealing with it. And he was like, off the record, 
that's great. Like, I think that's the way you should go. And that is what you should be doing. Oh, good. But I can't prescribe it to you. And so it was very frustrating that you have that. And then for me, I felt like even friends who I love dearly, and I know that they have no judgment or anything, but when you're like, oh yeah, I'm smoking a joint or I'm taking a tincture or having edible or whatever, consuming cannabis, they're like, you're stoner. <laughs> like their connotation is still based in that characterization that stereotype of what we all grew up with as millennials on the TV or through um, stories are very stories are freakishly powerful. And you ladies who I'm sharing your stories are really powerful because they're very strong connections. Like people you love can see what's happening and helping you and moving on. All right. So we can talk more about that later, but I do want to talk about your business. So talk a lot of entrepreneurs is a hard industry to be in. You are an accessory. You aren't selling the product. So just kind of talk a little bit about your journey. I talk a lot about banking on the show. It's changing quick. It's changing. I can see it, but that's always been an issue. Marketing, all of it. You had all of it. So just can you talk a little bit about your journey and yeah, financed and like what happened. Yeah. What you learned. Yeah, we have an interesting journey because it's taken many twists and turns like everybody's. I mean, I think yeah. if you're in a business for long enough, you have lots of stories to tell, especially in this space yeah. because it's changed so often, but we, we launched our business in 2018 officially, and we were acquired by a public company in 2019. So quite quickly. Yeah. We were like, yay, success. (laughs) (laughs) And at that time we were acquired by the only company, the only public company in cannabis who had a female CEO. She really saw the vision of what we were trying to bring to the market. And so it was very synergistic, the, the relationship between us. Fast forward about four months later, which was actually March, 2020. So it was right as COVID. It was kind of like the same day we got like, all this information piled up on each other. So she had left the company. There was a new CEO, did not see eye to eye with what we saw as the vision for cannabis and basically wanted to shut down the company. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that kind of launched us into a battle to get our company back. Caveat, this was COVID. So all the courts were locked down and we had very few opportunities to really engage with the legal system in the way that you normally would if it wasn't COVID. But we did end up buying our company back a few months later. Oh, wow. So in, I want to say September, 2020, we kind of call it Sackville 2.0, okay. where we regained the company. Since then, we've been hundred percent self-owned, bootstrapped, we haven't taken on any investment and we've grown uh, the company profitably and sustainably from there because that we get to see our own vision come to life. And I think that's really important when you see the path forward to be in control and have the steering wheel. Speaking this. Yeah. Look at you. I love that. All right. So you're together, you're doing this. So it's owned now. How is it owned now actually? And do you have another sectoral studio? You're privately and then oh yes this is such a good point that i almost missed out on during the time obviously like anyone in covid and we were completely locked out of our business for like six months so we couldn't access our core business we're like how are we going to survive this right. situation and so we launched a second side of the business called sackville studios which is a design and production agency that does product design development strategy, production distribution, 
for a ton of other brands within the cannabis space. We work with select grassroots, tons of different companies, okay. side dispensaries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the list goes on. You can check it over. I mean, there. you're in New York too. It's <laughs> like that. Uh, again, like I'm in Massachusetts. I can see how it's expanding quickly. I just like, this is an industry that is over. It's it's growing really quickly. There's a lot of connections and you're, you're starting to be one of those people who's trying to support other people because you've been through it, which is, I often say about the women on the show is they're, they literally are becoming, they become the people they needed. Yeah. And I think for us, we really understand the power of branding and merchandise within the cannabis space for a very long time. People focused and totally understandably, but just on the product, the, the percentage of THC, the strain they were using, and they weren't considering what that experience actually was for the mass consumer, because this is a brand new industry. Mm -hmm. People have no concept of how they are going in and recognizing a brand or recognizing how to judge it Mm -hmm. the way that they would a bottle of wine or something else where they can see the branding, they can see the type of bottle and they already get a sense of who this is for, what they're trying to portray through those things. And cannabis hasn't quite gotten there yet. And so for us, for many reasons, obviously we all know marketing is a very tricky thing within the cannabis Mm -hmm. space. And so merchandise is such an incredible opportunity for people to engage with their customer and be able to really present their brand in a way that is much more understandable by the audience. Because if someone goes into a shop and they see your cannabis accessories, whether that is like an ashtray or a rolling tray or a pipe, and it looks generic, like everybody else's kind of white labeled thing, they're getting nothing from you. It's very hard to understand what your brand is or what your product is at the end of the day. But if they're going in and they're seeing this beautifully designed thing, they can imagine it would sit on a coffee table, or maybe this is a travel accessory and you're really an outdoors brand that speaks to an active consumer. There's so many ways that you can engage in these touch points that are accessible to people that people really can start to understand what your product is and what you're trying to give them. So that's what we try to do is help people kind of step into the cannabis industry with a more, with a more holistic approach to engaging with their consumer. Okay. So let's talk about your stuff. They're so pretty and products. So like, <laughs> they're very unusual. I buy a lot of things. I have a lot of bongs. I have a whole selection. I use crystal ashtrays. I have the whole deal out there. So all these things, I, I like to try things and so tell me some about your products, some of your, maybe your first ones, or maybe what's the most popular. Tell me some of the things that are yeah. really people that are different. Yeah. We, I would say we're most known for our grinders because right. I think yeah. we're really the first people to redesign what the grinder looks like mm-hmm. because no one else was doing that and everything looked exactly the same. And it just wasn't this experience that felt like engaging at all. And again, I come from a luxury design background. And so the idea was to create pieces that felt luxurious, that felt like design art objects, but also had the utility of a grinder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's where we started out. And that's where we really gained momentum. Um, so, this, because- so there's a podcast. Can you just describe what your grinder looks like? Why people understand why it's, yeah. it's, it's like very visually, it's actually looks very different. So yeah. Our, so our grinders are very architectural 
I would say (laughs) (laughs) I don't look like your normal grinder. They're very unique shapes. Our our core grinders are all in a, like a soft gold color. And actually we just launched a really beautiful silver color. That's doing quite well. And again, the idea is that your grandma comes over and this is on your mantle and they're not going to be like, that's a grinder. It just looks like a gorgeous art object that you would have on your coffee table, mantle, bookshelf. Exactly. Anyways. And that's really the concept that we approach all product design with is could this sit out in your home when it's not in use and would it add value to your home? Would you oh, I like feel that. good about it? Would you yeah. walk into a room and think, oh, that's beautiful beside the fact that it has utility? Obviously it has to have utility. It has to be a great product that has great use, but we want to make sure that it's also adding value in other ways or else it's just a throwaway good. You have no connection to it. Yeah. All right. So before we take a break, just tell me a little bit more about like, like I, again, the funny, I, I think this is funny. My mother had ashtrays because back in the sixties you smoked yeah. and then she put them all away because they stopped smoking and she passed away a couple of years ago and we cleaned out, she had all these ashtrays. So I took them back. So I have these lovely, gorgeous, like mid-century modern tables. So are those the kind of things people are looking for? So are those the kind of things people are looking for? What are they actually coming into your store expecting or hoping to find that they can't find anywhere else? I would say goods that fit into their lifestyle naturally. Like I think what we we're trying to do is really modernizing those things. So mm-hmm. we all know, like the, again, that old, like really oversized kind of like crystal ashtray look. I can totally imagine that. And for (laughs) us, we want to bring in a more modern, modern look and feel so that again, it fits into people's lifestyles that they're already living. It's not something that feels like this, like outside piece. We do a lot of things that again, focus on utility, but with design as one of the forefront principles. So we have like a joint dupe tube, called our carry case which is smell proof airtight it clips into your bag it's gorgeous it's in this beautiful gold that has a gorgeous texture to it no one would ever know what it is yeah (laughs) it looks like a gorgeous keychain and it's things like that that allows you to just integrate cannabis into your life in a way that feels really natural instead of bringing things in that feel like you wouldn't get them unless you needed them for cannabis. Exactly. You know? That's beautiful. I love that. All right. So we're going to talk more on the other side. I can envision myself with many of these things already. So we are going to be back. And we're going to talk about New York because that's a big industry and maybe like how it works with Canada and your international perspective. So let's, we'll be back with our guest, co-founder of Sackville Co. Haley Deneen, after we learn about Dan Whitmer's newest venture into cannabis beverage market. Welcome, Dan. Hi, Joyce. How's it going? I am good. So you're a pretty busy guy, but you decided can of beverages. So um, in five minutes, can you tell us what makes it so special? I know it's interesting. And who do you think is going to love this? And of course, where can we find it? Yeah, so I'll, I'll try and keep it as short as I possibly can. <laughs> but you honestly couldn't have picked a better show to have me on. A lot of the things that Haley was just talking about, it really goes into everything that I build as well. And there's a reason that I, I went towards beverages And part of that is because I actually have a wife that does not consume. So for me, smoking, which is my, my typical consumption of choice, I I can't smoke around her. So having something that works for me, where I can get what I need when I'm around other people that don't consume, super helpful. But, you know, when I was starting to think about what I wanted to bring to market, Part of it was I wanted to bring something to market that might actually entice my wife 
<laughs> to try cannabis and and actually enjoy it with me. So when I was thinking about that product, I was thinking about the things that might function for someone like herself. And she doesn't drink a lot either, but when she does, she orders a skinny margarita. That's her go-to. So I started thinking about the products that are in market today and what they look like and the flavor profiles and, and the effects behind them and everything else and, and realized that there had to be something better out there. Right. That we had there, there just had to be because the, the flavor profiles that are out there right now just weren't, weren't good. And the effects were okay. And so I set forth to try and find some of the best infusion technology I could and found a fantastic manufacturer called Briexis Biotech, uh, which is actually a biosciences company. They're, they're not even a, a pure cannabis manufacturer, but they, they manufacture a new type of nano product called fused polymorph nanofibers. It's a little bit different from an emulsion. Can you explain that in English? Just so <laughs> I cannot. Um, no. I have something so, visually, like little dots, like how does it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can draw stick figures, but uh, that's about it. And and in my five minutes, I'll, I'll try and and yeah. uh, get get it across to you. But basically, it's a different type of process that they put the THC molecule through, where rather than wrapping it in something like a surfactant, which in and of itself has very soapy, bitter flavor profiles and has a tendency to degrade very quickly. What they do is they use a co-crystalline process where they have a proprietary co-crystal or carrier agent that they literally fuse the molecule to. So what happens is when you fuse them together like that, they don't break apart. So if you've ever poured a cannabis beverage out into a glass and you've seen that thin shear of oil on the top, or you can even see some granules in there. That is the emulsion actually breaking down in the beverage, which is something we don't want. Uh, and what happens is those surfactants that they wrap the molecule in, they actually start breaking and they'll start, they'll start going into a bigger size. So that nano product you bought is no longer nano. And that's kind of where I was like, there's got to be something better. And so the the, so the next so the next generation. So again, we're coming. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's next? So so okay. these nanofibers, much better shelf life stability. So an emulsion you're seeing anywhere from 20 to 30 percent degradation mm -hmm. in the first three months. With the nanofibers, we see less than three percent. It also increases bioavailability. So a typical emulsion, you're probably seeing anywhere from eight to ten percent. And I'm being very generous. On the nanofibers, we have studies and uh, tests and PK studies that show upwards of 48.15% bioavailable on the nanofibers. So not just a little bit more bioavailable, a lot more bioavailable. So just explain what that actually means in terms of like, in, like what happens to the consumer. Sure. So bioavailability is basically the word that we use to, to talk about how much of that five milligrams you just consumed actually gets into your bloodstream. So a lot of times your you're buying a, a drink that has five milligrams of THC in it. Well, it's it's been on a shelf for anywhere from three to six months before it even gets set in front of you. So it's probably degraded in that can anywhere from, you know, 20 to sometimes 40, 50%, right? Then when you actually consume that beverage, you're actually only getting 
we'll say on the high side, eight to 10% of that molecule into your system. So eight, so that, eight, eight to 10% of five milligrams. Well, eight to 10% of probably closer to like two and a half to three milligrams because it already degraded while it was sitting in that can. That's so that five milligram <laughs> beverage now becomes like a one milligram beverage. And, and so you, you just don't get that efficacy and you don't get that, the effect that you're looking for. So what I have created together with, with the manufacturer is something very new, both in form factor and in function. I wanted to create beverages that mimic spirit-based cocktails. And when I say mimic, I don't mean just naming it a margarita or giving it a margarita flavor. When you hold this glass up to your mouth to drink it, it smells like a margarita it tastes like a margarita and you cannot tell that it has been infused with cannabis. I opted for a hemp D9 on this because my goal here is actually to build a national brand and, and hemp D9 really gives me that ability. And with the quality of the product that Reexus is putting out, it's, I mean, it's lab quality product. Everything is tested. We have COAs across the board, so it is clean and functional. And since this is a podcast and no one else has yeah. seen this, so I'm going to give you guys a little taste, but prototype of the bottle. So you can see oh, so it looks this is something very different from what's in market right now. Okay. So we're, we're selling this in a 750 milliliter bottle, four servings to a bottle at 6.25 ounces per serving. We'll be probably doing two different dosages a five milligram a serving and a 10 milligram a serving. I know there's some ganja mamas out there that can hold their smoke. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's. And, and, and just going to go back to sort of onset, like, so how does that work in terms of like onset? Uh, that's always an issue with edibles back in the day. I know that things 100%. are better now. Yeah. So how does so that work in terms of like a beverage? With this product, it does not go through first pass. All absorption is done in the mouth and in the kind of the esophagus and stomach lining. Most of it gets done in the mouth, probably I'd say 90%. And it's onset within five to 10 minutes, depending on you, depending on your day, depending on a few other factors, but the longest I've seen it take is 15. And the other cool part about these nanofibers is we get to play around with onset and offset timing. Okay. So the longer or shorter we make the fibers changes how long it takes for to off uh, to onset or offload. So what I've done is I've actually formulated this product to onset within 10 to 15 minutes and offload within 45. So the idea being that by the time you're starting to drink your third glass, your first glass has already started to offload. So it doesn't compound on itself. So you can enjoy three, four, five drinks in a night, right? And not end up in the fetal position in the corner, right? You can really have a sessionable beverage that tastes great and functions phenomenally. It's almost like microdosing with cannabis. Like you could have a couple of hits throughout the evening. You could have a couple of drinks. Oh, that's it. All right. We are actually out of time. Oh my God. All right. So I guess what they need to know, the, the name of it, if they can find it, when is it around? Like, how do they access sure. it if they're interested in learning about it? And I'll put it in the show notes, of course. Absolutely. So we're going to be launching everything in August. The name of the brand is Twist. You can find us at twistcana.com or at twistcana on Instagram. Everything is kind of in coming soon form at the moment, but all, to, all is set to be launched in August and we're going to be coming to market in a big way. And they're pretty bottles in summertime and I'm sure they're going to taste great. So thanks Dan for sharing with us. And if you're having a party, you're looking for something, wine alternative, here's another way to consume your cannabis. So thanks. All right. We are back with Haley. 
course, co-founder of Sackville and Company. Do you want to talk about family? Do you have a family story? Like how did your own family feel about this transition? Yeah. Or yeah, just where did, how did they My feel family's pretty lax. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I That's definitely good. come from a very accepting uh, family. It's funny, Lana and I come from very different backgrounds and she, her family was much more, I don't want to say suspicious, but a little bit like, what are you getting into? You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, my family, like, they were cool. fine with it. Okay. Yeah. So there was, no, there was no hiding. There was no shame. There was no like drama that I'm going to work in a can. I'm going to create cannabis products. I actually was, before I launched the brand, I was doing um, product design and development for Aurora cannabis. Uh, okay. So I'd worked in cannabis. Okay. So they're ready. All right. So I know you have a Canadian connection, but you're in New York. New York is changing the market out here on the East Coast dramatically. Things are, I mean, we were little Massachusetts, now it's New York. So I don't know. How do you see maybe having this international perspective? It's very different in Canada. I mean, there's no marketing in Canada, right? So no, Canada has extremely strict marketing rules. It's very, very different. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, that's very Canadian, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> so that's normal. Yeah, much, okay. yeah, take like an inch forward and then see what's going on. And then we're a slow moving country. But I think New York is, I mean, of course, everyone's excited about New York. New York is a really, really exciting market to come online. And for multitudes of reasons, I mean, from a branding and marketing perspective, I think a lot of our narratives around legal cannabis have been built on the West Coast. And so, oh, yeah, that's what I mean. That's sort of how this podcast started. I just, again, established businesses, women out in the West Coast, they had a whole different relationship with it. I mean, many of them are younger than me, but they also had just a different cultural relationship. So Massachusetts was sort of on our own. And now the whole East Coast, except for New Hampshire, which I don't understand. Yeah, I think that with with. <laughs> with the West coast and especially with women. I mean, we found this yeah. when we launched our brand, as soon as you are a brand owned and run by women, people tend to pigeonhole you into a wellness brand. And so they're like, how are you helping women with X, Y, and Z with pain, with period pains, with sleep, with whatever. And it really negates the idea that women might just want to use cannabis for recreation or they might have a different experience with cannabis and i think that there's tons of amazing brands on the west coast so not at all dunking on them in any way but it definitely started this narrative a wellness culture that was acceptable for women in cannabis and i think as a new york brand and wanting to bring a new york perspective we really wanted to come out of the gate with a unapologetically strong stance that we want to use cannabis because we want to use cannabis and we don't have to justify it or apologize for it or give some sort of acceptable reasoning for that to be okay. That is okay. And so it was definitely a different way that we wanted to come to market. And I think New York is such an amazing place and I'm excited to see more uh, cannabis exist in cultural events and in art galleries and in music shows and things like that, where you really start to integrate cannabis within our, our lifestyles anyway. It's a culture. Yeah. It's funny. So I have kids in their twenties, so I always give out cannabis gifts now. And I've noticed they have bags now, like women's bags with like lighters attached and I just, yeah. <laughs> it's a fashion thing that you don't have to be, my generation was like rummaging around yeah. on their back because someone had like a plastic baggie filled with maybe something and now you have these beautiful things that you carry your stuff in 
Well, I think that's a great uh, a great recognition of the the change, especially with a Gen Z audience who's growing yeah. up at a time where cannabis doesn't have the same stigmas. You don't have a war on drugs narrative being kind of shoved down your throat on the television, and people are a lot more cognizant of how the the how the negative narrative around cannabis was formed and question that a lot more. And so I think you're going to see, especially as Gen Z, as the Gen Z demographic rises in, in their buying opportunity in cannabis, a huge rise there because you don't have that same experience that a lot of the older generations do. And, and, and you know what, it's, it's a, it's a flip though. So in my generation, you went to clubs and you it smoked. Everyone smoked inside. That was just part yeah. of like how it was. And then smoking became a horrible, terrible thing. And yeah. then I kind of this generation of women who I actually were talking about the gummies last week. We're talking about how they don't smoke because it was so negative. And now we're trying to actually try to bring consumption lounges back. So there's a whole another smoking discussion that's coming back. So it's interesting totally. to see go around. And again, people, we live in the anomaly history. Cannabis has always been around. This next generation should be freer and live in it and use it in a way that they need to use it. And they shouldn't be put in prison for it. That's yeah. And we always talk <laughs> to retailers too, because so many yeah. retailers um, are really like we sell in urban outfitters, which is a huge, exciting moment because you're introducing cannabis products in a store that is not a cannabis store. Right. And that is where the future is because yep. we always say to people, cannabis consumers are everywhere. They're, they're in your store right now. You're just not servicing them. You're just not, yeah. you're ignoring them and you're not paying any attention to them and you're missing a huge opportunity. Right. So if you're a gift store or if you're a store that is providing wine glasses or a cool cocktail glass or cocktail sticks, add cannabis to your roster. It makes so much sense because the people are already there. And I think we've gotten so used to, especially as women only being able to access cannabis products through stores that are to be totally frank, really not welcoming to female consumers and a lot of times intimidating. And it is a change that needs to happen so that people feel more open to ask questions and feel more comfortable. That's, that's that is good though. Cause again, People always buy me cannabis stuff now because I think it's funny because I'm like a middle-aged woman who plays tennis and wears pearls and <laughs> whenever they see, but it should be. I was a wine mom. Like it was so normalized. Like we wore t-shirts about it. So again, it's culture, people. It's around you. You can't see it. It just exists. And we're creating this by sharing these stories and just normalizing it with beautiful products too. So, all right, a couple of minutes. All right, you're young. So next five years, cannabis years are like dog years. I know. What gives you hope? What's You're working in this. I don't know. What gives you hope in this industry? Where do you see it? I mean, we just talked a little bit about the next generation coming up. I, I, it's, we haven't really talked about the money, financial, that's a whole nother talk, but just in terms of like, I guess, culture and what you're seeing and what you're doing. My hope is that we get some sort of federal change in the US in the next five years. That's like a hope there. Oh God, if five years, good Lord, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a fed, I was just at the Parabola Institute had an event on Saturday in Boston at the Boston Public Library on federal what's happening at the federal level. Senator Markey and Senator Warren both gave little speeches. So the senators are talking about it. There's like again, there's a pushback between big business, yeah, which should not be running this, and the fact that this should be run by the consumer and the small industries and women. This should be yeah. our industry. It is a caregiving plant. We should be running this. So that seems to be the tension. So if you want to get involved with this at a federal level, reach out to the Parabola Institute. They would love your help because I don't know how you fix something like this, except use our voices until all the rules are finally written. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with that. And I'm so thankful for people who are really pushing at the federal level because I mean, we're all stuck in a weird limbo until that happens. I mean, the whole, the way the cannabis industry is organized is, 
not normal because it's not federally legal. So it's a weird place to be in. But I think on a brand marketing side, I'm really excited for the next five years to see more, more diverse perspectives in the cannabis space. I think we've for generations had a very, very limited perspective of who a cannabis consumer is. And that naturally mirrors the types of products we see. I mean, you walk into a dispensary and I would say like 80% of the products are geared towards like a, a male audience that skews, I don't know, 20 to 40. And I think that there are so many different people who are using cannabis for so many different reasons. And it is exciting to see different brands coming to the table and offering these visions of what cannabis looks like in the future. So that is something I'm very excited for. And I think that'll happen more and more. And obviously, once safe banking passes, once you have changes at a federal level, more small businesses will be able to engage in cannabis because I think right now we're just it's so hard as a small business because you, you have your hands tied behind your back. True. And America, remember, we used to like to make money. That used to be our jam. We could do it on this. This could help the planet, make people healthy, build some good businesses and just be something good for all of us. So stop using cannabis as a weapon. Use it as a tool. <laughs> that is my that is my statement for today. All right. Um, before we end, what is your favorite way to consume Haley? What is your favorite way to consume our plant? I like, I like an old school joint Joint <laughs> <laughs> and smoking at the end of the night. But at the same time that I say that, I mean, I'm always blown away whenever I try like a delicious new edible or they're so like, there's like Rose Los Angeles edibles are one of my most favorite edibles out there. So anytime I get to try something new, it's like, oh, that's cool. But my like go-to is definitely just a joint. Yeah. <laughs> I've become a joint person. I'm surprised by myself, but yeah, but there are so many ways out there. Again, this is accessible in so many different levels. You can drink it, you can eat it, you can wear it, you can smoke it, you can talk about it, <laughs> you can grow it. So yeah. get involved. If there's anything in your life, hemp, cannabis, there's something I'm sure it's going to touch and all these people are trying to change the narrative around it. So we so appreciate sharing your stories. All right. So Haley, what is the best way to connect with you? Find one of your amazing grinders, your trays, other your accessories, or just meet you somewhere if you're going anywhere this year that you want people to shout out to. Yeah, so you can find us at our website, which is uh, sackville.co, which is S-A-C-K-B-I-L-L-E dot C-O. Or if you're looking, if you're B2B, looking for some business stuff, you can find us at sackvillestudios.co. And then we're on Instagram at sackville.and.co and on TikTok at sackville.and.co. Oh, they still let you be on TikTok. Yeah, somehow we're still surviving on there. It's always a stay <laughs> by day. <laughs> Mystery. I don't, I got kicked off for having my cat and a plant. Legit. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, we're, we're, we don't have a long, we don't feel like we have long. <laughs> okay. So, so if you're listening now, go find them on TikTok before they kicked off. Okay. Exactly. So that's another show. Thank you. Another great show. Thank you for joining us today. So for my guests, Kayla Deneen and Dan Whitmers, and of course my Canna bro, David Jazz and our Canna mom show team. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna mom show where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.